Welcome to Wrestling News Radio, the podcast from the IWC for the IWC, and this is the Raw Review for January the 11th, 2016. It was a night of big shots and surprises. Sting was announced as the first Hall of Fame member coming up, and we had Kalisto as your new U.S. champion, and Brock Lesnar cleans house at the end of the night when Roman Reigns has a one-versus-all preview. I got with me Brian Cochran today, but before that, I want to tell everybody that thanks us for listening on Max Sports Channel and Power Station FM. If you're online, you can catch us at wrestlingersradio.blogspot.com. While you're over there, check out all our social media like iTunes and Stitcher and all of our other social media sites as well. Brian, welcome to the show. What was your thoughts on Monday Night Raw overall before we hop into it? Overall, not too bad. The uh, expectations usually aren't too high for Raw, but here lately they've kind of been stepping up a little bit, so not too bad. It was great to have it start off with Sting being inducted into the Hall of Fame, so nice little way to start the show. Now, all the little Stingers in us were definitely proud that that happened. Sting got a bottling in his moment here. I was shocked that they announced him first, but at the same time I really wasn't that shocked. The crowd, they needed somebody to hang their hat on that isn't the top main eventer who we all assume is going to be The Undertaker. It's kind of weird that they're going to retire the same year, but it's also kind of fitting as well. When Raw started, we get the highlight package from last week, as we always do, of Roman Reigns and Vince McMahon and their altercation. And the show starts out with, as stop me if you heard this before, as we always do with The Authority. This week, the authority is played by Vince McMahon and Stephanie McMahon. Now, all the wrestlers are lined up at the top of the stage, and Vince and Stephanie play to the crowd in their hellish ways. That was pretty cool, and it ended with them saying that Roman Reigns tonight is going to have to do a one versus all, which means that he's going to have to fight the entire roster. Folks, get ready for make Roman look strong. So I thought, anyway, from the beginning. Brian, I'm so sick of these long, long intro segments. I get the point that they set up the rest of the night. Isn't there another way they can do that? I'm sure there's a different way they could do it. The The segment, what to me, wasn't that bad. But yeah, they are long, and Vince tries to be hip when he's not. And he goes out there trying to say booty and all this awkward, you know, things to to the crowd. It's just weird. But yeah, there there's all kinds of ways he could have done it. I mean, me personally, I, I would have just thrown him out into the mix and had him wrestle everybody one by one throughout the night. But maybe that's history repeating itself with Daniel Bryan. I don't know. Reigns brings up an interesting point during his altercation with them when he says, what happens if I win? And I feel like that would have been a nice little stipulation to add because he has everything to lose. He's already the champion. He needs to have some kind of benefit, I would think. And this was the opportunity for them to get creative. And I feel like they didn't because they, you can correct me if I'm wrong if I missed it. I feel like the only stipulation or the only reward he'll get is just being the champion. That's what I gathered from it. They seem to think that there shouldn't be a stipulation because they are under the impression, the very 
distinct impression that he's not going to win. It would have been kind of interesting to say, well, if I win, I get to pick my opponent at WrestleMania or something along those lines. They did tell Dean Ambrose that he has a match right now, even though he won't be in the gauntlet tonight. And that's when Sheamus attacks him from behind. That was a pretty cool way to get a match started, I thought. And that was how we got into Sheamus versus Dean Ambrose when we come back from the first commercial. Sheamus controlled most of the match early. And that's when Ambrose beat him down for a little while and yelled on him. They went back and forth for a while. And this is when Kevin Owens wound up still in the show after the match was over. It was a double count out. And Owens and Ambrose continued just to beat the crap out of each other all the way through the arena. Brian, how do you feel right now about, well, first off, what do you think about the match as far as it went? It was pretty brutal until they got to the double finish. And then the Owens meeting out afterwards. Uh, were you impressed by the first match of the night officially? I mean, I like the way they started it. You know, it wasn't anything to call home about. But I like the way that they set it up. And, of course, you can't have the match end without Owens interfering. They're doing a really good job setting up their feud and fueling the flames, so to speak. So, in terms of the backlash that happened, it was it was pretty cool. Also heard that Sheamus got some stitches due to the match, actually. For 14 minutes, like, it, that's a really, really long part. Now, I know, like, four of that was Owens and Ambrose, but this match really, really did a good job as far as two guys, Sheamus and Ambrose, just throwing everything they had at each other. It's like Brian said, the Owens-Ambrose thing right now, it could be the most interesting storyline that they have because it genuinely feels like they hate each other. Now, we know they don't, but on camera... It comes off as they really, really hate each other. Brian, am I right or wrong on this? No, you're right. But there's shades of Owens versus Zane. They like each other personally as well, or they used to, if you want to keep the KFAB going. But it's one of those things that you can like somebody, but when it comes to prestige and when it comes to, to the gold and the honor of knowing that you're the best guy in the, on the roster... It, all the friendship and personal stuff that they have outside of the ring just flies out the window. And they're doing a really good job of showing that in their matches. After that segment was over, Stephanie and Vince are backstage walking by and they meet with Paul Heyman. Paul praises Vince for his matchmaking skills given Roman Reigns the one versus all match at Royal Rumble to defend his title. And then he said he had the great idea that Brock Lesnar is a prize fighter and he should face the winner of the Royal Rumble in the main event at WrestleMania rather than having to earn it in the Royal Rumble. And the Vince McMahon was not having any of that. He told him that, no, you better get out of my face. I don't want to deal with this. You are in the Royal Rumble. He's in the Royal Rumble match. And that's when they decided to go in private with Stephanie being the mediator. I really, really enjoyed this beginning part of this altercation because it felt like with Stephanie being the mediator that things were really starting to get out of hand. Like, I was like, wow, this almost feels WWE Attitude Era-ish, Brian. I don't know. I think they might be a long way away from Attitude Era. 
They are a long way away. I'm just saying it kind of felt that way for that one segment. It's like you saw a glimpse of it. So are you saying that when Stephanie is around, that perhaps they're going in the right direction? I I can always have Stephanie around. That's the right direction for me all day long. Maybe Vince should be replaced with uh, Triple H in the future. In the future, as far as backstage, yes, but as far as on camera, I feel like Vince has kind of revitalized something that was stale for a while. Now, I'm not going to give Vince the full credit for it, but I think that just having some different form of authority on camera has been beneficial. This is true, and to be quite honest, I feel like all this is is Vince using simple reverse psychology on the fans. It doesn't work on everybody. It's clearly worked on a lot of them. I like, he says, I like Reigns, so y'all should too. No, we don't. Okay, well, I don't like him. And he comes on camera and says it and physically goes against him. Now, all of a sudden, everybody likes him. So, that's fine. The, the angle with Brock, I think they messed up where the open segment that you said went too long. He kind of dropped it. You know, early on that Brock was going to be in the Rumble. And I honestly think they didn't plan on doing that. Well, I kind of feel like they did. Because if you look back later on through the night, the rest of the night was just them bargaining each other on, you're in the Rumble because I said you are. And Brock said, no, I'm really not. Uh, We'll get to the ending of the show later on. But Brock does come into play later on. And it leaves a lot of questions about where they're actually going with this. We move on now to Stardust and Titus O'Neil in a rematch from last week. Shout out to Stardust for doing an amazing tribute to David Bowie. Rest in peace, David Bowie. He passed away this week, and Stardust did a nice paint job for him. And the match itself was a squash match because Stardust lost again. I don't understand why this had to happen, especially with the David Bowie tribute. After the match was over, Stardust took out Titus, which gets him a little ill heat. But this was a night where Stardust could actually got the win and took him out after and got that double heel heat. Um, I don't feel like they care about Stardust, and they should. They should embrace this story. You're not doing anything with Titus, and you need to. He's a promotable guy. But this feud here isn't a feud when the match is three minutes long and Stardust does nothing to fight back with. Brian, what do you think about this? I'm just confused as to where Cosmic Wasteland went. I mean, they they were a really good trio. I like them. And as far as the match goes with their feud, if you've got the Titus O'Neil going against Stardust, and his whole point of why he's fighting Stardust is to bring back Cody Rhodes... WWE has already gone on record as stating they have no desire to bring back Cody Rhodes. Do you think we're being tape-bad there, though? Like, do you think the WWE, when they release some of these, we're not doing this, that they're playing us? Of course, I'm sure they they probably are. But I'm just, where would you go if Titus O'Neil brought back Cody Rhodes? Were they going to be a tag team now? Oh, make no mistake about it. I don't want it to happen because I... I love Stardust. I think it's the, a great character. What I don't think is that WWE has gotten behind it or gave it any kind of time to be creative. They give him those vignettes, which I thought were entertaining, and they get 
That's actually how this even started, was Titus walking in the wrong room every single week. But they turned it into a joke, and that's not what Stardust was supposed to be. It was supposed to be a dark heel. Um, I, just, I just don't like the book, but at the same time, I don't want it to go back to Cody Rhodes. I am glad that the primetime players have split up, and they didn't even tell us they split up. They just did that. Yeah, no, they they pretty much put Titus O'Neil in a singles run and just said, okay. And you kind of assume that they split up. I mean, this is the second time they split them up, I think. Would you think that they would just stop trying to put them together? Well, they were the house show event uh, where they did the job squad, the five people in the ring, and Darren Young was one of them. So He was. Not... Did you see him lately? He looks like a superhero. Uh, maybe that's where they're going. <laughs> yeah, maybe he's going to be Stardust partner. Oh, God. Uh, Come back and avenge his partner for abandoning him. It could happen. Next, we have the highlight reel. Chris Jericho and the New Day. Rooney Tootie Booty is uh, caught on because Jericho just knows how to repeat something to make the crowd catch it. I love how the New Day gets so offended by this and by New Day sucks. Like, they really are the top of the WWE game right now. For Chris Jericho to say he's going to save the WWE, you're not going to save the WWE because the New Day has already saved it. And the Usos come out to back Chris Jericho when he they, looks like he's about to get beat down. We're going to get, tonight I thought we were going to get a six-man tag. We're not. Because Xavier is going to be on the outside and Jericho is going to be on the outside. The Usos are going to go against the New Day for the tag match. Brian, you love the highlight reel, right? What was your thoughts on this episode of it? Well, I mean, you can't expect Jericho to wrestle in his skinny jeans, do you? Uh, yeah. Oh, well, then never mind. So Maybe, maybe you should have played ahead, like just hang your tights on up under it. There you go, he, he could have done that. I mean, he practically wears underwear to wrestle, so... As far as the match goes, the highlight reel, I like the highlight reel. The last couple times that Jericho's come back... It's a quote-unquote save WWE. It's been kind of lackluster anyway. I think he's a jobber every time he comes back. I mean, basically, and the ending of their match with Reigns and Ambrose made no sense. So, yeah, that was... We're not supposed to remember that. Oh, well, it was on my personal highlight reel. (laughs) So... Getting back to the highlight reel, it was it was clever. It was it was funny the way they, because they they do seem to sync together. Even the Usos were funny, and they're usually I don't think anybody likes them too much. But the Rudy Tooty Booty, it's just fun to say, and a lot more fun to say than Tater Tots. So, sorry, Range, you're still not going to get any kind of benefit from me. But uh. I did hear after the match that the trombone got sent to the hospital and got some bad news. He will not be appearing at WrestleMania. The trombone? The trombone is injured. He's out with a shoulder injury. This this injury bug is just doing too much. Now, I was upset when John Cena went out. I've been begging for Daniel Bryan to come out. But not the trombone. Not the trombone. That that's what I heard. I know I'm disappointed too. Twitter's all of us about it. 
it's trending worldwide right now. And uh, that's that's it's real sad right now that it the is. trombone's going to be missing WrestleMania because I was looking forward to that. On a serious note, for whoever decided to let him bring that trombone out, just thank you. That trombone has saved so many segments. Whenever they do the Irish whip thing in the corner now and he does, I love that thing. That is, I want to be in the arena when he does that. Yeah, that that would be great. Could you imagine the uh, in Dallas at WrestleMania, and he's got the trombone out? If if I mean, it might make a recovery. You never know. But yeah, it's it's great the way he uh, was charging after. I think it was Ambrose outside the ring, and then Jericho stepped in between them. And like the closer he got to Jericho, he just slowly stopped playing the trombone. Yeah, that was awesome. Like he, Xavier is on top of his game right now as far as just being entertaining. The WWE, this is one of the few times that they let them write their own material. They let them go out there and do whatever they want to do. If it weren't for the New Day, maybe you should let other people try it too. I'm just saying. The match hey, itself, social, social outcasts. You know, they actually gave them a good spot too later on that we'll get into. As far as the match itself, like Brian said, the spot with the torn trombone, it is going to be resting. Uh, it's out of action. And that little spot on the outside with Chris Jericho running off Xavier with Cole the distraction happened. And the Yusos get a roll up win here. The Yusos have beaten the New Day. Brian, it feels like every single week that isn't a title match, the New Day loses and they win the title match. That's the formula. That seems to be the formula, but I'm sure if it was up to Xavier and the trombone, they would have picked up the victory. When it comes to the gold, they find a way to pick up the win, so. We need that trombone back, because we need to make sure that it's going to help us get where we got to go. And can I add one thing, too, that seems weird to me? Yes. Involving the Dudleys, who kind of have nothing to do anymore with New Day. But on SmackDown coming up, they have, first time in four years, a tables match. The Dudleys versus the Wyatts. Why would you waste that on the Wyatts? No offense to the Wyatts. You had a perfect opportunity at tables, ladders, and chairs. Because yeah. WWE just doesn't know how to be creative. I mean, you had Save the Tables, you know, trending worldwide, and you had the petition to Save the Tables. That would have been the perfect opportunity. But that's my little side rant. I'm done now. WWE gave us a John Cena update, which I really didn't expect them to do on Monday Night Raw. But they said that surgery went well, and he is already rehabbing. He's not supposed to be back for six nine months. I I can see John Cena at WrestleMania somehow. Can you? I could. A um, bunch of Z packs. I could see it happening. I I don't really think it's necessary if you're able to play your cards right. You can get through this without him. But we were discussing this off air earlier this week. Um. As much as I hate to admit it, John Cena brings ratings, and without him there, your ratings are lower than they are with him there. I don't know why that is. It's just because half the crowd loves him and half the crowd hates him. And you gotta kind of hope that maybe Roman Reigns can get there. And I'm telling you right now, 
Roman Reigns has the haters. They are out there. They hate Roman Reigns. Brian can verify. We know several of them. But uh, to the contrary, there's just as many that like him. So hopefully he'll be able to be a guy that pops the rating boost. Uh, but yeah, like Brian said, we definitely think that he could possibly be there. And WWE kind of isn't ruling it out like they should be. We get more Heyman and Stephanie backstage negotiating. And still no dice. Stephanie tells him you better go tell Brock for him that uh, he is going to be in the Rebel Rumble match and he is not going to be in the WrestleMania main event without earning it. And then that's when JBL told us that Sting was going to be the first member and Brian told us about the uh, Wyatts and the Dudleys for SmackDown. So we're all caught up for the Wyatts match now after they come out with the Social Outcast. This match really didn't even happen. It was just a bunch of brawling. And Ryback is looking like he might be the new leader of the Social Outcast. I actually might be okay with this. Brian, are you a fan of the Social Outcast? And are you okay with Ryback's affiliation? I would be okay with his affiliation if he was more or less the co-leader. If that makes sense. You could let Heath Slater be the mouthpiece. But let, let Ryback be like the reigns, the Roman reigns of social outcast. I don't know if that's an, I don't know if that's like a bad thing. Like if that's speaking negative towards the shield, cause I'm comparing the two, but he is definitely a social outcast in my opinion. But, uh, it's kind of refreshing to see them because he Slater was kind of overplayed in the three man band. So that was kind of a silly gimmick. At least this is more fun to watch. I had a markout moment whenever I finally, like, the bell went off. I don't know why it didn't go off before, but when the social outcast came out and I realized the Wyatts were standing in the ring, I was like, wait a minute. Bo Dallas had the faction. Bray Wyatt had the faction. And they're about to fight each other. That is what I always hoped would happen. I just didn't picture it me on this level. Yeah, I, I was getting ready to mark out, too. That's the first thing I thought of when I saw... I saw Bo talking, and I was like, oh, crap, he's looking right at Bray. And then they were the whole time. Like, even when they were in the ring, you had Bray Wyatt calling out Bo. And yeah, that, he was. Like, he was going out of his way to look at Bo and be like, this is what happens. This is what happens. And it, it was great. I could just imagine the excitement just for that right there. You know, that's probably what they were wanting to do when they were little kids, and they probably did this stuff in their backyard or whatever. Oh, Bray was chanting, you can tell it. Bray was, Bray was very happy for that moment. And then Ryback happened. Ryback. Yeah, but you know what they need? I, a lot of people were like, no, you gotta let him slay to read the mouthpiece. That's fine, but you need some kind of muscle, okay? And Ryback is an established star. They, this is good for Ryback, because Ryback is a social outcast, pretty much. The big guy is always the guy that gets forgotten about, and uh, by WWE management, I can I'm I'm on board with Ryback being the leader of this faction, and I like how they have five members because they're a little weaker than the other teams, so they gotta have extra <laughs> members. That's that's messed up. <laughs> Just speaking of weak members, please don't ever let Axel talk. Yeah, yeah, unless or, he's got the Axel Mania thing going, it isn't gonna work. Four links, one chain, and then complete silence. Because no 
no one knows that it's their cue to start talking. And then Bo just kind of chimes in. It's like, that was very awkward. Maybe that's another time where Manager was like, all right, guys, we ain't got nothing for you, so just gonna do what you do. And they, uh, they, they dropped the ball a little bit on it, so. But yeah, we'll see where that goes. Brian, uh, real quick, does it feel like that? Remember how at the end of WCW, how everybody had their own faction, and we had the No Limit Soldiers and the, the Millionaire Club? I don't know if you watched WCW in the dying days. It feels like that's the direction WWE's headed with all. It's like gang warfare. Everybody's just doing strength in numbers. So you had LWO, you had MIA, um, you had Mr. Perfect. He had one. See, speaking of Axel. Yeah, I hate rap. It was the it was the rednecks. The West the West Texas, Texas rednecks. Yeah. Yeah, there very, you go. Very Very Wyndham was in it, and somebody else. See, we don't even remember, but we know it was awful. I actually, I actually love the song. I had it on my little eight-track tape. So, rap is crap. Rest in peace, Mister Perfect, for sure. Uh, any more final thoughts before we move on? No. Where am no, I? I? Only that I wish that Bray and the uh, Social Outcast actually had a wrestling match. We move on now to probably our favorite part of the show. This is something I did not think coming. We alluded to it earlier in the night. There is a new United States champion, and his name is Kalisto, as John Cena would say. Del Rio took credit for taking out Cena and causing him to miss the Rumble and the Mania. Del Rio already said that John Cena is not going to be at Mania, which leads me to believe even more that John Cena will be at Mania. Uh... Wow, what if he's that mania just in the story Del Rio? That'd be awful. That that would be awful, actually. Uh, that would. I'm sure that wasn't in the contract signing for uh, ADR to return, though. I and this feels like they can be going that way with all the foreshadowing that WWE does and their horrible foreshadowing. Tonight he's gonna take out Kalisto, who he compares to a mojito. He's gonna watch him tonight. And Del Rio attacked him right away and worked him over. And Kalisto sent him to the floor. And the first two minutes was all Del Rio afterwards. And Kalisto made a comeback. And then a sit-down powerbomb. And Del Rio got a near fall. Kalisto got some huge spots of hot line in this match. And head scissors. There was a bunch of two counts. Brian, it ended with the... Uh, I, don't, I guess you would call it a Huracan Rana into a roll-up. Kalisto held him for a three. Kalisto, you're your U.S. champion. Did you see this coming, and what do you think they're going to go from here with Kalisto? you kind of seen it coming, but you were afraid that, you know, they were going to mess it up. With the close calls, they had a bunch of close calls, and you could tell that the crowd was really behind Kalisto. They wanted him to pick it up. And I think that was not just because ADR was the heel in the match. I think that the crowd actually gets behind Kalisto. And he did win the Slammy for the, uh, what is it, the OMG moment or whatever it was called. And when he did the Delita Del Sol off of the uh, ladder. I forgot what you called it. Your, your name of it's funnier. Slice bread. Slice bread. That's what it is. Yep. Shout okay. out to Brian Kendrick. 
Well, uh, like I said, he he did win the Slammy for that, and that's kind of put him on this this pedestal, if you will. Like he can bring his A game, he can bring some some good matches. But yeah, I I felt like it was gonna happen. I'm really glad it did. It it's interesting because when WWE first started out, you know, because last night was their anniversary show, like their twenty. 20- Third year. Twenty third year of Monday Night Raw. You're right. They didn't really bring that up on the air that much either. They, um, when they first rolled out Raw, one of the first matches I remember seeing was Razor Ramon versus the One Two Three Kid, where One Two Three Kid picked up the the roll up. He got the One Two Three on the on the roll up on uh, Razor Ramon. And he also had a concussion when it happened. <laughs> Right, where he, he uh, tried to, I think he tried to hit him off the turnbuckle and he like completely missed and just fell outside the ring. Yeah, they had to buy time, like Scott was like killing time until he came back together. But that that was a, a great feud. You know, you had one, two, three kid first winning like the 10 grand on one of the matches. I remember that. And then it just reminded me of that match. So it was fitting that they allowed him to pick up the victory and get this belt because, you know, if I remember that and I'm 31, then some kid who's watched it last night is going to remember that when they get older. So I'm just glad they, they did something right. That was all by accident. With Kalisto uh, being a single guy now after Sankara going down, they just fell right, this right into their lap and... They're going with it. They they gave him the Cena rub, which is the first thing you do in building a star, and he has looked unstoppable ever since that ladder match in that spot. I'm here to tell you, Kalisto is on the rise, and the WWE finally has that Latin star that they wanted to get behind. I think they thought it was going to be Del Rio, and it's not. It's going to be Kalisto. Brian, final thoughts. Final thoughts, if uh, anybody's unaware of what Kalisto can do out, you know, it's outside of WWE, you can go online and YouTube his indie videos and uh, check out some of his work there. It's really cool. Hopefully we get to see some of that integrated into his office because, yeah, he is just getting started on the possibilities of what he can do. Uh, JoJo is talking backstage to Charlotte and Rick. And Charlotte wants to know why Becky's so upset. She made her flare and square. I love that tagline. She needs to make that into a t-shirt. And tonight, she's just going to handle business like a champion does. She said Becky is the villain. She's not the villain. Becky is. Becky's the better one. And she's the more of the victim. And later on this night, that's exactly what happens. Because we think we're going to get Charlotte and Bree. And we do not, because Becky hits the ring and just beats the crap out of Charlotte. Rick is just going crazy and said that Charlotte isn't wrestling tonight. She's too hurt after the attack. That segment came off really, really good. They're doing another good job of building what feels like true hatred on camera. Brian, did you, were you entertained? I wasn't entertained. I'm entertained by Becky Lynch, but I think it's... It's really far-fetched at this point that for me to believe that Charlotte could pull this role off on her own. You're missing the most important part. Becky saved us from having to watch Brie Bella wrestle. I would have rather watched Brie wrestle 
than see Charlotte try and pretend like she's something she's not when she's not good at it. Uh, I get the direction. I, I, I agree that she's not coming off as Ric Flair, but they're trying to make her a coward, and that I can dig that. I'm okay if Rick is going to be there to help her do it. What I don't like is how they're constantly making me an outnumbered. Now, I, spoiler alert, when Valor Flair comes up, I would put her with them, and that would be phenomenal to have some guys that have your back, because Rick has his daughter's back. Um, but Becky just always seems outnumbered here, and this thing good that she showed some fire tonight. So that's why I enjoyed the segment overall. It showed that Becky just doesn't give a damn. She's going to go out there and do what she's got to do. She doesn't care. All the nice girl chains are off. And that's what I thought they were going to lock her down with forever. But apparently they are not, and that's good with me. And Becky, at backstage afterwards, said that Charlotte... Ruined their friendship, and now she's using her father for protection. She's all on her own, and maybe that's where she should be. She made Charlotte tap on SmackDown again, going to do it again. That was a good promo by Becky. Her talking skills are really starting to improve. I agree. That was one hell of a promo. That was that was a major improvement for her, which I'm glad to see, because. Let's face it, if you can cut a promo and you can wrestle on top of that, I mean, it's pretty much downhill from that point. We find out that Dean Ambrose and Neville are going to take on Sheamus and Kevin Owens as well as Del Rio and Jalisco in a rematch for the U.S. title. And as Brian mentioned earlier, the Dudleys are going to face the Whites in a tables match. Brian, they've done a really good job on making matches feel important for SmackDown, do you think? They have, and you know it's part of the the allure now of SmackDown is you have uh, Ronaldo on there as well. I hope I pronounced his name right. You I actually didn't. did. Well, Ronaldo, Ren- I think I'll have to get back to you on that. Well, we knew who I was talking about, so that's the the, the other goons knew who we were talking about as well. So, but um, all I'm hearing on Twitter is nothing but positive feedbacks about his commentary and. The stuff that he comes up with. So, SmackDown actually has a commentator who's going to call the matches and call the moves. So, if you're going to have an A plus commentary, you're going to have to have A plus matches. Yeah, this guy was really good. He really, really was. He's going to go call a run for his money. We get to the main event, and it is Roman versus the world. We thought it was going to be Roman versus the world. It turned into Roman versus Kevin Owens. They gave us that as the main event, and it went. Almost 20 minutes, I think they got 18 out of it. And folks, Roman Reigns got his butt in me. Pardon my French, I'm going to PG that. Kevin Owens tore him a new one. He just beat him up one side and down the other. Of course, at the end, he wound up getting a little cocky, and the spot opened up for Roman to Superman punch everybody in the ring. And once Vince realized that things were getting out of hand, he throws everybody in the ring to attack Roman. And that's when Brock Lesnar has had enough and makes his way down. The New Day thinks that he's there to help them, and he's not. He cleans them out quickly, cleans out everybody in the ring, and Roman is laying there, beat down, lifeless. And that's when Brock stands over him, laughs, picks him up, and F5s him. The show ends with Brock Lesnar standing over Roman Reigns and then outside of the ring looking at a wounded Roman 
And Roman is laughing. I don't know why Roman always laughs at Brock, but he was laughing at Brock. And it looks like Brock, after all of that arguing all night long about I'm not going to be in the Royal Rumble, I'm not going to be in the Royal Rumble, Brock is in the Royal Rumble, and he's going for the title that Roman Reigns covets. Brian, were you entertained by this last segment? Uh, Kevin Owens looks strong. That's always good. The match was actually... Not bad. It seemed like it went a long time, but it needed to. At least the match itself was was good. The last segment where Brock's dismantling the entire heel roster. I mean, if you're trying to make Brock Lesnar face, then that's a really good way of doing it. But I could disagree with you that it they could be going the route that he didn't necessarily answer Vince, but I'm sure that him going out there and dismantling the entire Hill roster so they couldn't beat, you know, Roman Reigns down is going against Vince. But then he grabbed Roman, so why didn't he grab Roman? He grabbed Roman to give him an F5. Well, why would he do that if he wasn't going for the belt? He is going for the belt, but in Brock's eyes, he's going for the belt at WrestleMania. And that hasn't changed yet, not in Brock's eyes, because he hasn't fit, he hasn't verbally said that he's, you know, agreeing with Vince. And yes, I'll go in the Royal Rumble. There's a lot of room for questioning that we're going to see play out here. I like it, Brian. Didn't like it as much as I did. So Brian, we'll go ahead and get into your grain for the show and what your best and worst segment of the night was, and any final thoughts. I'll give it a B plus. I would have gave it a B simply for New Day and the Usos in their segment with Jericho. And the matches weren't bad. The plus is because Kalisto picked up the victory. And I think anytime you have a title change on free paper or free TV is is a plus. Um, best segment was the Jericho and New Day segment, just because people got so upset over the back of the bus comment. <laughs> that was, yeah, they really, really did. I did not expect social media to get really backlash like that. And they did. Mark Henry, thanks for clearing that up for everybody really quick. With a picture and everything, people have to have something to complain about. A picture of them in the back of the bus. Like, if you couldn't figure out what it meant to begin with, then here's a picture. But that was my favorite segment because it kept me entertained. I laughed. I just thought it it seemed organic, like they just clicked so well. Um, best match would be Kalisto versus ADR because he won. My worst segment is, is probably going to be the uh, the end. Just Or no, yeah, that would be the end. That the. That was the worst segment. It did make sense to me. Worst match was Bray Wyatt versus Social Outcast because it didn't happen. Yeah, I'm not even going to be able to count that as a match. My worst match of the night is going to be Titus and Stardust because they had Stardust dressed up as the tribute to David Bowie. He should have got some kind of win here. It didn't matter if Titus lost, but they obviously don't care about Stardust as we see. My best match of the night, like Brian said, how do you not give it to Kalisto? They balled out. You would think I'd give it to Kevin Owens and Roman Reigns, but I can't do that. I'm going to have to give it to Kalisto. That, the crowd popped. like They really, really got into Kalisto winning that belt, and I think that gave 
the show a great big momentum and boost. Like Bryce said, I'm probably going to go with the B plus because of that. I, it wasn't quite an A show for me for the simple fact that I don't like the direction they're taking this main event storyline. Which is kind of odd because normally in WWE that's all they focus on is the main event storyline. But this one I feel like they're confused. And I know there's a lot of injuries right now. I'm sure that John Cena was part of their plans initially and now they're having to rearrange things. Who knows where we're going with it? I don't even think they know right now. We're going to have to see how the Royal Rumble plays out this weekend for the uh, weekend show that we got coming up for you. It, stay tuned, folks. You're going to be interested in what we have to say as far as the new guys from New Japan that are coming over to the WWE. They'll be there by the Royal Rumble. We got so many ideas of how we're going to book this thing or how WWE could possibly do it. Along with other news that's going to be breaking that we're going to cover, Lucha Underground, they're going to get started back up. TNA, they're rolling again on Pop TV. Ring of Honor has a lot going on. Just stay tuned. we got a lot coming on for Wrestling Garden Radio in the uh, coming days. Brian, uh, you got anything you want to say to the audience before we hop off here tonight? Just a uh, big thank you for listening. Keep following us on Twitter, at Goons Radio. Follow us on Facebook. We also have some articles coming out that we're going to be posting here soon about the uh, visitors coming to WWE. So look out for those. And uh, again, just thanks for listening. Appreciate the support. Yep, and if you are listening to us online, you can catch us at Max Sports uh, Channel and Power Station FM. Online, you can catch us at WrestlingGoodRadio.blogspot.com. That's our website where you'll get all of our podcasts and our articles that Brian mentioned. We have everything there for you. And check us out on iTunes as well. Give us a subscribe and give us a review. We would really, really appreciate that. Like Brian said, we are nothing without your support. Thank you so much for listening to us every single week. And we are going to do our best to get the content flowing here like fine wine. For Wrestling News Radio, my name is Anthony Hammett and Brian Compton. We on the podcast for the IWC, for the IWC, and we'll see you. We'll see you.